Welcome to the Right Division Network Podcast, a production of Grace Family Bible Church in Buffalo, New York. I'm your host, Pastor Scott Morton. And we'd like to thank you once again for joining us as we study God's Word, Rightly Divided. We're going to be continuing today in our studies going through the book of 1 Thessalonians. And we are here in chapter number 4. And we'll be starting here, verse number 12, which says, That ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. Now, as we've been studying here in the book of 1 Thessalonians, here in chapter number 4, we've been looking at issues of how the Apostle Paul has been speaking about the things of the practical life of a member of the body of Christ. So once somebody has put their trust in the gospel message for today, the fact that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures, and the simple fact that someone puts their trust in that and that alone, they have the gift of eternal life and have the guarantee of salvation. So Paul laid out some doctrine in the first few chapters of this epistle and has shifted into some of the things of the practical outworking of this. So as he's speaking here, we've looked at over the last few weeks the issues of the working the commands that they had to follow, the studying that they had to do, that all of that is influencing what he's saying here about that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without. So the end goal of this is that when it says that ye may walk honestly. So that issue of ye, this is speaking about the entire assembly here in Thessalonica that the result of everything that they've done is going to influence the walk that they have. And that's why you even see how Paul uses the word, that ye may. You know, this isn't a requirement. It's not a guarantee that this is going to happen it is the goal of everything. This is what Paul is hoping that as a result of all the things of understanding the doctrine, this is what God wants to have happen in everything as well. But each individual has the opportunity in their life of First of all, taking the doctrine in, you know, studying the Word of God, applying it to their life, and then also allowing the Word of God to actually work in them. And, you know, some individuals are going to do this very well. Others are going to struggle with this, and there will be some that are not going to do anything after they've received salvation. Now, they still have the guarantee of it. That's what you see over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 when we see the things of the judgment seat of Christ where 
the individuals and everything burns away, yet they're still saved, yet so as by fire, because they still have that guarantee of their salvation. The goal being that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without. Now, the issue of the when Paul's using that word walk here, you know, that idea, it's more than just the idea of I'm going to go t take a walk. You know, this word walk is used many different ways, you know, both in scripture and, and even in our English language today. In fact, I'm going to read here the definition of this word that actually comes from Webster's 1828 Dictionary. And there are actually several different definitions that are actually given here. So I, you know, it's going to take a minute here with it. It says, to move slowly on the feet, to step slowly along, to advance by steps moderately repeated as animals. Walking in men differs from running only in the rapidity and length of the steps, but in quadrupeds, the movement or order of the feet is sometimes changed. And then a couple of verses here to define that, you know, in Daniel chapter 4, where it says, At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. And then in Matthew 14, when Peter had come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. A second one here to move or go on the feet for exercise or amusement. Hundreds of students daily walk on Downing Terrace in Cambridge. The third one, to appear as a specter. The spirits of the dead may walk again. Number four, to act on any occasion. Do you think I'd walk in any plot? Number five, to be in motion as a clamorous tongue. Her tongue did walk in foul reproach. Number six, to act or move on the feet in sleep. When was it she last walked? But this is unusual when we speak of noctambulation, we say to walk in sleep. Number seven, to range, to be stirring. Affairs that walk as they say spirits do at night. This one's also labeled as being unusual. Number eight, to move off to depart. When he comes forth, he will make their cows and garrens walk. Now, this one's labeled as called not elegant. And then we have number nine here. It says, in scripture, to live and act or behave, to pursue a particular course of life. Now, there's multiple verses that are being given here. With it. Genesis 5 says, to walk with God, to live in obedience to his commands and have communion with him. 1 John chapter 1, to walk in darkness, to live in ignorance, error, and sin without comfort. Also in 1 John 1, to walk in the light, to live in the practice of religion, and to enjoy its consolations. 2 Corinthians 5, to walk by faith, to live in the firm belief of the gospel and its promises, and to rely on Christ for salvation. Isaiah chapter 43, to walk through the fire, to be exercised with severe afflictions. Romans chapter number 8. To walk after the flesh, to indulge sensual appetites, and to live in sin. 
to walk after the Spirit, to be guided by the counsels and influences of the Spirit and by the Word of God and to live a life of holy deportment. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, to walk in the flesh, to give this natural life, which is subject to infirmities and calamities. To walk in, to enter as a house, walk in, gentlemen. Now, we see through these definitions, there are a lot of different ways that that word walk is actually used. But we see how Webster shows us and from the passages that were there and, and the few ones that we're actually going to look at here in a minute, we're going to see that that issue of walk is speaking about the lifestyle of an individual. So the practical outworking of things in our life is being identified in the Bible as being our walk. So when Paul is saying here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, the issue is that the lifestyle that we are to have is going to be reflective of that issue of the honesty that is supposed to be here. Now, we're going to look at a couple examples of how Paul uses this phrase here in in his epistles about the idea of walk. So let's go over to Galatians chapter number 5 first here. And we're going to see here in Galatians chapter number 5. We're going to read here verse number 16, which says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, we see here as Paul is speaking to these individuals in Galatia, that he's drawing a contrast here between the ability to walk in the Spirit and the issue of, as he says, fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, he doesn't say, as so many individuals actually want to take this passage, you know, and they take it as it's saying, this I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not walk in the flesh. That, that they take it as an aspect of, that I can either be living in the spirit or I can be living in the flesh and that somehow an individual could be bouncing back and forth between those two things and the fact that, you know, if I'm walking in the spirit, which is the lifestyle I'm supposed to have and that would be, you know, on top of that issue of my lifestyle, there's an identity that I have with that. That, well, then I could be identified in the flesh at times. And really a lot of times where people want to, is it's used as a way to excuse their bad behavior. They say, well, you know, I was just walking in the flesh when I did that. So, you know, that's okay because that's, quote-unquote, not really me, and so it's okay that I did these things, rather than truly understanding 
how God looks on our life and understands and we should have the understanding from Scripture that we cannot walk in the flesh. We can, as Paul says here in Galatians 5, there's the issue of fulfilling the lust of the flesh. So what happens is an individual stops walking in the Spirit. You know, So really they just stop walking and then they're giving in to the lust of the flesh at the moment as they're doing the things that are contrary to what the word of God rightly divided would actually be saying about how they're supposed to live their life. We see Paul bring up some things. So let's go over to Romans chapter number 8. And we're going to see how in this chapter here that Paul is saying things about this issue of you know the walk that an individual would have and here in Romans chapter 8 let's read here verse number 1 which says there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit so here we have Paul talking about individuals who are in Christ Jesus and how these individuals who are in Christ Jesus, they're walking after the Spirit, not after the flesh. And the result of that is that there is no condemnation towards them. In fact, we can read here verse number four as well, which says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And you see how he continues on and talks about how they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. You get down to verse eight and you see how it says, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So the issue being, as you read through this whole section in Romans chapter number 8, and you see how it's saying that someone who's in the flesh, you know, can't please God, you know, so now we're already seeing something that is going on and, you know, thing of how Paul's identifying these things. You talk about how someone that's in Christ is not able to walk after the flesh and how if somebody was walking after the flesh, there's only one thing that can result there when, you know, in verse one, which says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So, if somebody is walking after the flesh, there's condemnation. You know, that's why it's impossible for a member of the body of Christ to be walking in the flesh, to be walking after the flesh. Any of those phrases that somebody wants to try to come up with to talk about how our 
lifestyle and identity are being tied in with the flesh. You know, those are things that, you know, if somebody is there, they're not pleasing to God. There's only condemnation that can result from this. You know, and that's a thing of where when somebody starts to try to talk about how somebody can walk in the flesh, they're talking about how a believer today could face condemnation from God. You know, God has already identified the fact that the issue of sin has been taken care of. We're not appointed to wrath. All of those different terms that we see that Paul says for a member of the body of Christ today, all of that, if somebody could walk in the flesh, all of that would have to be a lie and the whole issue would be if somebody could walk after the flesh they because of the fact that they're facing the condemnation and wrath they're now outside of the things of God which means that they've lost their salvation and we know because of what's written over in Ephesians in chapter number 1 in verses 13 and 14, where it says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. We know that we have a guarantee of eternal life, because we're sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. The Spirit is the seal that keeps us in the body of Christ. And there is nothing that can break that seal. How that seal is keeping us until the redemption of the purchased possession. The book of Philippians will talk about how you know we're being kept until the day of Christ. You know. We have that guarantee of our salvation. And we know that when we start talking about the issue of the walk that we are to have, that the instructions that we're being given here in Paul's epistles point out you know, the way that we are to live our life. We look over and let's go to Colossians chapter number one. We're going to look at how Paul prays for these saints at Coloss here. And we're going to start here in verse number nine of Colossians one. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord, unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering, with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers 
of the inheritance of the saints in light, who had delivered us from the power of darkness, had translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now, as we see Paul offering up this prayer for these saints at Coloss, we see how the prayer for them starts with the fact that he's praying that they would have an increase in knowledge. So he's praying that they would come to a greater understanding of what the Word of God, rightly divided, says, for the purpose that as they're being filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so as they come to that understanding of what God's Word says, the end result of it is going to be that in verse 10, where it says, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. So the result of getting that understanding of God's word is that it's going to have an impact on the walk of the believer. It's going to influence the lifestyle. That's why you see over in the book of Titus, a passage that we've you know, read multiple times about how the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That it's the grace of God that's go that teaches an individual how to do the right things and the things that we are supposed to avoid in our life. The things that, how we are to, as Paul is praying for these saints at Colossus, walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. You know, the fact that our life, the life we are living today, should be pleasing unto God. You know, it should be producing fruit. It should be as Paul is praying, for, we were talking about these saints over in Thessalonica when he's saying about that ye might, may walk honestly toward them that are without. You know, that this is the goal of how it is that we today should be living our life. And that we shouldn't be trying to do the things of trying to look at it as a performance system for a guarantee of our salvation, because we already know that we have that guarantee, that the performance is based on the issue of the rewards that we're going to receive once we're with him in the heavenly places, ruling and reigning with him, for all of eternity. Now, next week, we're going to actually look a little bit at the issue of the nation of Israel and how, when you talk about that issue of walk, that how their walk was tied in 
with the covenants that had been made unto them, you know, and that's specifically going to be speaking about the law covenant which had been had been given to the nation of Israel, and how, as a person under that, you know, had a clear thing of how to live life, that we are given a thing of how we are been made free from that law. The law has been taken care of in this dispensation and we are not influenced by any of those things. Now, as we close here for today, I'd like to remind everyone of our website, which is www.gracefamilybiblechurch.org. And on our website, we have a number of study articles. We have some charts to help you in your study of God's Word. We have some audio files of previous messages. We have information on how to watch our services live as they're broadcast on Facebook, both on Sundays and Wednesdays. And as always, if you have any questions or comments about anything on our broadcast, anything on our website, we would love to hear from each and every one of you. And until next time, keep fighting that good fight of faith, preaching this message to this lost and dying world.